Hello everyone, welcome back to the Final Tackle Podcast. I'm CJ and I'm joined by, honestly, one of the legends of the game. He was the first cap player for the Brisbane Broncos. He is the uh, one of the inaugural members of the Queensland State of Origin team and he also won the 1982 Brisbane Rugby League Premiership with Winner Manly Seagulls. Please give it up and a big warm Final Tackle welcome to Colin Scott. Thank you very much for joining us here, mate, and how's your day going? Yeah, uh, same as everyone else, I suppose. Uh, CJ, we'll stay inside and that, but uh, mate, uh, you know, I, I, we'll get on top of this, mate, and as long as everyone does the right thing, we'll be fine. 100%, 100%. Just remember to quickly turning on my fan, it's a bit hot in here. Um, now, first of all, let's talk about you being literally the number one capped player for the Brisbane Broncos. Was that a matter of. You, it was because you were the fullback, hence the number one, and you and you just ended up being in the first team, sort of thing. If that makes sense, and it just sort of um, coincided with that, or was it you were the number one sign, like first signing, regardless? Yeah, well, obviously back in um, uh, 1988 when they formed the uh, Broncos, we were all obviously playing in the local um, QRL comp, obviously with Winner Manly. Yep. There's myself, uh, Wally Lewis, Gene Miles. Greg Dowling. Honestly, you're uh, mentioning like music to my ears because I'm a big Broncos and Queensland Origin fan. Yeah. So yeah, we all signed obviously with the uh, with the Brisbane Broncos, and uh, it all went from there, mate. Oh wow. Um, and speaking of the first game of the Brisbane Broncos, so my mum, it, it turns out it wasn't my dad, my mum was at the first game. She's actually still got the stubby cooler that, that you can get at that game yeah. that says, guess who was at the Broncos' first game? I'll say that to you at, at the end of the episode. Um, and uh, basically what I want to ask is, it was un, it was an unprecedented win, given that you guys won actually the first four games once you entered the NRL, NSWRL it was, and such a big win in 1988, your first game against the defending premiers. What was that like, making, you could say, a big statement saying, we're here, you know, we're in the league, we're just as good as you guys? What was that like? Oh, mate, you know, obviously, Manly, well, they had won the uh, premiership, obviously, the year before, too, so... It put us in a big, uh, put us on a big stage, obviously, and um, you know, being a Queenslander and, and obviously playing at home in front of our own home crowd, it uh, it sort of built us the, the, the crowd uh, and obviously the the club uh, in itself, and uh, obviously from then to now, you know, the Broncos uh, are a, um, a big highlight of the rugby league calendar. Oh, 100 percent. They are, in my opinion, the best. NRL, so NRL in Queensland. Like everyone aspires to when they're growing up in the southeast Queensland area, everyone's I'm gonna play for the Broncos. I wanna play for the Broncos. You know, kinda how in Townsville it's I wanna play for the Cowboys sort of thing. Um, which I think is a great thing for the NRL because it's got a great nursery, you know, with winner, they've got Winner Manly, they've got um, they've even got Billy Bears to an extent, um, as their as their feeder clubs. Um, now, talking a little bit about your first, because you mentioned to me yesterday that num- the number one has coincided a lot in your life, and it's your favourite number because of. So you were the first Broncos player. You were the number two, but close enough to number one, listed Queensland State of Origin player. Number one was Artie Beeson. Um, you know, you were in the first, I, I, I don't know if it was the first, but... Um, 
you were in the Brisbane Rugby League um, 1982 Grand Final with yep. Wynnum Manly. I don't know if that was the first Grand Final that Wynnum had won at that level. Um, that's correct. But again, yep. that's a first. You made your first Australian Test match in 1983, I want to say. Or yeah, yep, 83. Again, that was a first. What was it like experiencing so many firsts in your career? Because not a lot of people get that opportunity, let alone get to be the actual first of the first. <laughs> no, that's true. And I mean, like you, you just mentioned, you know, being a part of the very first State of Origin game and playing number one. Um, and we won uh, Winner Manly's first ever A-grade uh, premiership and I was wearing number one. Um, and obviously be a part of the Broncos uh, and we're the number one. Uh, and between between me and Wally Lewis, mm-hmm. uh, we've played um, uh, 32 tests. Oh, wow. And he's played 31 of them. <laughs> <laughs> so I only played one test. Yeah. Pardon me. Uh, but, so, um, um, yeah, continue. Uh, what was it like going and representing your country? Oh, well, it's obviously something that anyone playing rugby league wants, would wants to do, you know, and, um, you know, obviously to, to pull on that jersey and, and look back at the, um, the the great fullbacks or the number ones that we had uh, previous to that, to my career was, you know, was, a, you know, an honour you know, to be to be part of that. And, um, you know, a good mate of mine now is um, Graham Eady and um, he was my idol growing up too. So well, I've been to wear that. a few months ago and he's nothing but a... Honestly, a gentle soul. He's a top bloke. Fantastic bloke, and like himself, and obviously the guys I've played with, and and obviously during my career, the people around me, you know, kept me feet uh, on the ground, and uh, you know, you know, don't get a big head and all that sort of stuff. So, you know, it kept me humble, and um, you know, they were a great support for me um, during my rugby league career. That's wonderful. Now. Um one of the things that piqued my interest about you in particular um, that got me wanting to get you on the podcast and in contact was I read the NRL website's um, article that they posted a few days ago that you'd sat down with someone, you know, talking about, you could say, the black dog, the monkey on your back sort of thing, a thing called depression, which a lot of people suffer from. Um, if you could let us know, how did you start experiencing it and how do you um, cope and what are your, you know, how are you dealing with it nowadays compared to if anyone wants to read the full article, you can go to the website. The link will be in the description. But if you can let us know your story. Yeah, look, and, um, you know, obviously previous to me getting it, you know, uh, the old stigma was going around, oh, you're being a sook, you know, blah, blah, blah. But uh, having gone through it now, I, I, I understand what what people are, are dealing with, you know, and um, obviously from my point of view, you know, it's it's something that, that I've never experienced and I can understand people going through it. And, you know, from my, you know, from my avenue and obviously um, when, I've, when I first got it, it was just... It's it's all in the mind and and obviously uh, and my I, I, sorry to cut you short real quick. I believe that the mind is the most beautiful and most dangerous thing to people. Exactly, and this is where um where people are are, are finding it hard to deal with because the thoughts are there. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, obviously, for some that can't deal with it or handle it, they take it to another level. And obviously my football background I think has helped me because I've always been a positive thinker and 
and always uh, been a, you know, um, a resilience in you sort of thing to, to not let anything get you so down to the point of saying I'm out sort of thing. Yes, that's right. And, and the biggest, the biggest step I think anyone going through this is to talk about it. You know, don't keep it inside yourself. Get out, you know, obviously family or friends and that, because it's a big part of our society now, I think people are starting to understand the situation people get themselves in. And I think, like I just said, you know, getting out there, talking about it is, is the first step you got to do, you know. Don't hold it inside because it's going to, you know, make it worse for you. Yep. It's going to fester exactly right. And um, I've been fortunate enough, obviously, through my uh, rugby league career, I had some great people around me and they're still there and um, you know and I talk to them and they give me a phone call and that and it's it's really helped me a lot but um, from the point of view of, of other people that, that that find it hard to deal with you know like I just said before talking about it is the first step and getting getting help because it is something that's gonna really take you down and and obviously in society we see the the suicide rates that are going on now mm -hmm. and that's, so, you know, it's about helping someone and I'd like to, you know, obviously I'm, I'm still dealing with it but I think I'm, I'm getting on top of it but I want to share my story with people that are going through it so I, I know that they can help themselves too to, to, to get through it and uh, get on top of it. Yeah, exactly. Um, and if you could tell us a little bit about your story, because I'll, I'll quote a little bit of the um, article. Basically, what it said was, um, one second. So they said, um, you woke up one day um, and you just had the most, you could say, tormenting you know traumatic emotions going through your mind in that morning thinking you know why am i here what's the point along a lot of other types of thoughts um and you it said you locked yourself in your room for three weeks with nothing but cordial and you and i, I know this because it said you counted them there was 15 bottles um and was that when you if you don't mind me asking what got you out of that funk of the 21 days you know what was it um, obviously, it was everyone's um, dealing with it is different when they first initiate with getting depression. Um, why? Um, what was the thought in your mind on the tw on the twenty first or twenty second day of right? I need to do something about this. If you don't mind me asking. No, you're right, and I mean, getting back to that first morning, I got up. You know, I just my mind was just filled with with negative thoughts, and the worst was was about doing myself in, you know, and I couldn't believe that I was... Well, I'm glad you're still it. here. I will say that right now. Sorry? I said, I said I'll say I'm very glad that you're still here and amongst us because it would be a big yeah. loss for the community in general. Sorry, continue. Well, and I think that's the big thing about it all too where, you know, obviously I was having those negative thoughts and those suicide thoughts were, were something that I suppose made me... Um, think about, you know, why, you know, why do this, you know, because I've obviously been reading in the paper about all the other people that have, that have taken their lives, so, um, you know, I said to myself, well, you got to do something about this, you know, and, and like I said, you know, I you know, hung in the dressing room there for 21 days, uh, the bedroom for 21 days, and um, there I just 
thought, I've got to do something about it. And I was embarrassed about it, but like I said before, the best you can do is start talking about it and obviously getting on to people that are in your life. And a good friend of mine, obviously, I mentioned Gene Miles, um, you know, uh, made a phone call. You and guys go back to town all days, don't you? That's right, and I rang him and, um, you know, I went into the office and we, we spoke about it and that. But, uh, yeah, like I said, it's a mind thought and, a, and something you've just got to get in, take control of. And um, and, I, and as I keep saying, and, and it's so true, you got to talk about it. You know, you got to talk to someone about it and do something about it, you know. Sitting in your room and laying in your room and, and just thinking about it is not going to help. you got to get out keep yourself active and keep your mind active because um, it to some people and, you know, and obviously, um, in, you know, them now taking drugs and alcohol are going to make it worse because it puts you in a different state too. So, um, yeah, it's, um, you know, something I, I believe now and I want to get out in society and obviously help people with it because I understand the situation and they're going through and the mind thoughts that are there and hopefully I can help them get them back on track. But it's going to take time. Oh, and uh, obviously, you know, um, that's where I'd like to help uh, anyone I can that uh, is going through that stage. And anyone that's possibly listening, um, by all means, reach out to Colin yeah. on Facebook or by email. He's just a message Not away. Um, and there, I will also be posting links to helpful resources such as Headspace, Lifeline, Kids Helpline for anyone who's under the age of 18 who may be feeling depressed or anxiety or anything that, that you may not be feeling good. Um, all the links will be provided on our Spotify episode, Facebook, YouTube, everything that this episode goes up, there will be the links there everyone um also beyond blue um and and all those other things um so well on my side you know the my rugby league career i had a lot of people uh that supported me during my rugby league career and if they i'd like to to just put it out there that you know anyone that follows rugby league or were were part of the, the rugby league when i was around i'm here to help and if you want to get in contact with me, as you said, I'm on Facebook or, or, or anything like that, please give me a call and I'll be happy to, to share my story with you and uh, share a few rugby league stories with you too. Awesome. So, yeah. And speaking of some rugby league stories, I know you've got a few doozies. Um, if you could just tell us some of your rugby league stories, because I love hearing stories of the of the days of old. Um, honestly, I'm not going to ask. I'm just going to say, tell yeah. us. Just tell us whatever stories come to mind first. Well, obviously, I'm a Townsville boy. I grew up in Townsville, and back in the days, you know, you could make it from your hometown. And uh, back in 1979, I was only 19, and I made the Queensland side and played the first two games, and then the Origin concept come around. So they played the third game um, in 1980 as, a, as an Origin game. Yep. And uh, I just remember sitting in the wrestling room and, and waiting for the, the New South Wales guys to come up, who were all my idols. And then Arthur Beetson uh, walked into the dressing room and he seen me over there in the corner. He walked over, he says, how you going, Scotty? And I, I couldn't believe it that he that he knew my name. I, I ran like, down to the phone box, yep. rang mum, and I told her that Arthur Beetson knows my name. That's how <laughs> overawed I was uh, during that uh, you know, that first game and then obviously running out in front of the, a packed crowd at Lang Park, you know, as a young fella 
experiencing that Got was something. <laughs> I'm, I'm getting goosebumps now myself. And, you know, running out there and, and being a part of that very first game and hearing the crowd roar, the loudest roar I ever heard when they introduced Artie was just so uh, inspiring. And, and I think that's what made the game what it is today, you know, having players like that involved and, and be a part of. And, um, yeah, as I said, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a highlight of the rugby league calendar now and, and obviously being part of the Winner Manly first ever premiership. I had a, a great um, inspire there in Desi Morris as a coach. And you had your mate Dean Miles at that club as well. Most of us from Townsville came down and played. And, um, yeah, and DJ Desi Morris was, uh, you know, a father-like figure to myself as as much as um, Artie was. And and, uh, my coaches growing up in Townsville in the junior grades. Um, Yeah, so uh, uh, rugby league or any sport, you know, whether it's boxing, cricket, it doesn't matter, you know. these young fellas, I, I try and coax them into play a sport because that's going to help you in life in general. Yes. You know, it's going to, you know, help you as a person um, and give you people around you that are going to be good people that you can can you know that are going to help you and and be there for you when times are, are, are tough. And, and um, touching on that topic, real quick, um, with with the kids sort of thing before the um, NRL obviously went on hold because of COVID. They implemented new rules in, I think it was Queensland, of the you can't tackle until you're under 13s or whatever it was. You, you don't have grand finals. I personally believe that is absolute bullshit. I remember as a kid, I was under 11s in New South Wales though. I loved, the, the reason I went to, the, to play was I loved tackling. I loved hitting the kids. Well, obviously not hitting them in a mean way, but, you know, it's just I got all my anger out of the week, you know, that may have happened at school or whatever, and knocked them about, you know. I love that. It was my it was my release. Now to see the kids can't fucking tackle, you're pretty much paying a rugby league registration to play Oztag, is my opinion. What are your thoughts on that? I mean, obviously I started playing rugby league when I was 11 and, and I couldn't wait to get out there on the field and, and start tackling guys, you know, because great. It, gives you, it gives you confidence, it, it builds you as a person and it prepares you for, you know, later in life, obviously. It, it prepares you for disappointments, for losses, how to be humble in, in victory and also humble in a loss in, in, in any type of thing, whether that's being fired from a job. It, that'll help prepare you everything, you know. It builds the person that you are to be. And speaking of building the person you are to be in your life, um, let's go back to your grassroots in Townsville. What was it like growing up in, I'm going to say, the 60s um, in Townsville? Um, in general, you know, what was the rugby league culture like there? What was it like growing up in general for you? Yeah, well, obviously, um, I got started when I was going to school um, at uh, the Hammer Park State School, and um, you know, um, you know, uh, a lot of the teachers there were involved in rugby league, and and that's where you know uh, they passed it on. And back in our days, we played in a. I was in the six stone side, so I went in in, um, in you know in weight division, yes. And um, from there, I joined the, the local footy club, and then went on from there. But um, you know, growing up in in Townsville, obviously back in my days, um, you know, the discipline was a big part of society then. Uh, you know, I got flogged by the ironing cord, so <laughs> taught me a lesson and uh, kept me on track. So I think. Um, Unfortunately, some people took it to another level, which is, you know, 
um, made it um, in society now that uh, you're not allowed to, you know, touch your kids with a ironing cord and that or anything anymore. So, you know, I think that's where we've lost or the, the youth have lost that discipline yep. in society yep. and in growing up, you know, uh, they're not they're not disciplined enough um, in that respect. So um, yeah, I, you know, obviously my kids, you know, um, bringing them up, you know, I made sure that they are okay and that their mother done a, a fantastic job with them. We split, but um, she's done a fantastic job with them. But um, obviously, during those early years, you know, the discipline was there and that, and they've, they've got they've got great jobs and they've looked after themselves now. So. You know, I feel proud that um, they're, they're out there doing um, the right thing and, and, and that and uh, haven't got involved in drugs or alcohol, and um, which is a big part of society now, which is a shame. It is, yes. Um, and talking a little bit about um, some – let's just do some fun questions for, for a bit. Um, how do you like your steak? My steak? Yeah, how do you like to have your steak cooked? Yeah, medium to well. Medium to well. Um, yeah. If there was any gadget from any movie, whether it's a spy movie or a action movie, what gadget do you wish would exist so you could have it? What gadget? Yeah. It could be anything from the exploding arrowheads and Rambo to the memory flash eraser from Men in Black and everything in between. Now, for me, when I was growing up, it was a pinball machine, mate. I love the pinball machine. I had the record. I held the record at the uh, Herman Park uh, cafeteria. You know, we used to go down there and play the pinball machine, and uh, I, I hold the record. I got the, I scored the highest number. Oh wow! So and I won. I won heaps of games, free games. So it kept me entertained all day. No, oh, that's awesome. Um, what else? Uh, so I'm just trying to think of. Uh, could you tell us another story about your playing days? Just because I, I love hearing the stories. Um, it, that is, if you if you're up to sharing some stories about your time. Who was the? Okay, well, let's go with. Was there any pranksters at the club? And do you remember one of like what was the biggest prank that you remember happening while you were at a club? Ah, uh, geez, I, I've got to say that I, I was probably one that uh, always. Uh, pulled a prank on, 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 on different players and that at different times. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I remember uh, hiding uh, uh, Greg Dowling's boots, you know, in the dressing room and that, and he'd come back to his his, um, his bag and he couldn't find his boots. And I said, mate, what are you? That's the first thing you pack. And he said, yeah, I'll, I'll pack them. And uh, we kept him going for until about four <laughs> Far out. <laughs> so you were the prankster of the teams. That's awesome. Oh, yeah, I like having a good time and uh, having a good laugh and that. And I think Wayne wasn't real because Wayne was probably the most disciplined coach I played under. And because uh, all the other guys, you know, were, were just good, good people, persons and that. Whereas Wayne is very disciplined in his ways. And uh, me and Joe Kilroy, we were always uh, the pranksters and that. And uh, yeah, we, he didn't. didn't Get along with us uh, too well, so much. Um, yeah, but now I think he's changed. He's um, yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, from what I've been told, because I've interviewed a few other former Broncos players and current Bronx, and they've said that he's he's like a second father sort of thing to the boys, while yes. also maintaining that um, like sort of boss employee relationship at the same time. You know, like he he For knows sure. when, he knows when to hold a hand and knows when to slap a hand. If that makes sense. That's, that's true. So and I mean yeah. obviously. You know the money side of things have um, have, have have changed, and um, you know 
um, the professional side of it has, has changed too. So, um, mate, yeah, it's a, it's a different game, obviously, uh, to what it was back when I was playing. So, um, you know, and good luck to the guys, you know, and um, obviously the, that's their uh, livelihood and that. And um, unfortunately at the moment uh, it's been put on hold. So uh, hopefully we can uh, get back out there and um, uh, get rugby league back on the TV because a lot of people are, you know, missing the rugby league. And, they're, itching. Um, <laughs> they're itching for it. Yeah, that's for sure. Which, a real quick side note, because now that you've mentioned it, I may as well drop it a little bit in the episode. For anyone who's wanting their fix of NRL, we are actually doing live streams over the next two weekends of <coughs> former grand finals that have happened, classic ones, with also a player from each winning team. So on Thursday, we've got the 2003 Penrith one, uh, that when they beat the Roosters, with, we've got um, Scott Sattler joining us for that. On um, Saturday, we've got the 05 grand final with... Um, um, Todd Payton joining us. We've also got um, the 97 grand final with Robbie O'Davis joining us on Friday. And we've got plenty more to come and plenty more in the works. We've also got the 95 Bulldogs grand final. We've got the 73 Manly grand final with Wombat. And again, plenty, plenty more to come. For anyone who's listening to this episode and is jonesing for their rugby league fix, we will be doing classic commentary slash interviews with the players while we, while we have the, you know, people can watch the game while we're talking. Um, now, that, that pretty much leaves that little bit of um, promo because I thought I'm not going to... Um, let that promo go if that if that open goal's there. Um, yeah. Next question I would say would be, looking back on your career, what would be the highlight? You know, what is when you look back on it, what would be the number one, <laughs> number one again? Um, yeah. Go like, what would be the number one thing in your mind that uh, you always go back to? Oh, uh, look, obviously being a part of the very first Origin and and playing with the, the great man himself, Arthur Beetson. I don't think too many. Guys, uh, get the opportunity to play with, you know, a once in a generation players. player. That's right. So, um, you know, even in today's world, you know, the guys that got the opportunity to play with Darren Lockyer and, and, and Justin Hodges and and Sammy Thido, guys like that, you know, I'm sure they look back at their career and, and obviously uh, that that's a bigger highlight in their careers. And as I've mentioned, you know, being a part of the very first. State of Origin, meeting, you know, playing with Arthur Beetson, and, and and being a part of Winner Manly, first ever premiership, uh, playing with obviously Wally Lewis, Mel Meninga, those guys, you know, as 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 all those, you know, I'm very lucky to be a part of all those sort of uh, highlights of my career, and um, you know, I think that's what's kept me on top of, um, you know, this. Um, there's no um, monkey on your back. Yes, that's right. You know, um, you know this mindset, and um, and uh, yeah, have, and that's helped me through it. So um, yeah, like I said, if anyone's going through it, please give me a call or get in contact with me, and I'll, I'll I'd love to help you. No worries. Um, and let's we've almost running out of time, so I'll go one last question: is Is there any advice that you have for any kids that are wanting to try and make it in rugby league? Yeah, look, um, obviously, to be a part of it all, you, you've got to get out there and, and train and do the right thing. Um, you know, obviously, listen to your coach. Um, but the main thing is, and uh, I think it's it, it's in life in general, is make sure you've got a good attitude. Mm. If you've got a good attitude, you'll not only make it in sport, you'll make it in life. 
Awesome. Now I'm just going to quickly stop recording and because I've got a little bit to um, talk about after. Uh, so I've just clicked stop recording. In now. I'm not really football, it's the grey.